You are listening to the 3CR podcast of Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2 p.m. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon and welcome to the show on um, apparently now it's winter um, afternoon. Well, it's what it feels like outside after um, uh, I had some fun with that rain that apparently was localised to my house in Preston um, the other day where uh, we got um, well, we got an inside lake room. I guess that was nice to... Uh, you know, have somewhere to go for a swim, take the, take the kids. It's still 30 degrees outside. Anyway, um, I hope your house also wasn't destroyed by rain. This is in Psychedelia. <laughs> My name's Nick Wallace, and on the program this afternoon, uh, we have a special uh, co-host uh, who you have heard from before. Uh, Chloe is one of the co-founders of Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia, um, and Chloe is uh, sitting across from me. Right now. Hi, How Nick. <laughs> good. How's How you it going? going? Yeah, Pretty good. Pretty good, mate. Pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, we just jinxed each other then. That was. That's okay. <laughs> we're allowed to do that. So we're going to be talking about a few things on the uh, on the program. You've got some guests. You've essentially programmed this afternoon. So that's that's what you're going to hear more of on the program generally over the year. More uh, diverse voices. More people speaking from different perspectives than just what Ash and I have. We've still got some things to say, but... <laughs> oh, after this week, I have lots to say, but yeah. we'll save that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Chloe, uh, what are we going to be hearing on the show this afternoon? Yeah, sure. So, I think we've got a few different people sort of programmed to speak today. So, to start off with, um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Family Drug Support Day or International Family Drug Support Day, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. We've also got Sophia from SSDP in New South Wales who's going to give us an update a little bit about what's happening there, particularly their pill testing launch which is coming up really soon and we've also got um, Tara Schultz here who's going to talk as well about her FebFast campaign which I'm really really excited to hear about. So yeah looking forward to it, let's do this. Yeah yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. This is Psychedelia on 3CR. In 2016 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. Winner of the Australia of the of the Australian of the Year Award, Baker Boy. Cool as hell. It is in Psychedelia on 3CR. Um, my name's Nick, but uh, taking over now uh, is Chloe Span. Chloe, um, take it away. Sure. (laughs) Thanks, Nick. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, we're so excited. I'm so excited to be here. I want to talk to you guys about so many different things. Um, Today, though, I'm going to focus on International Family Drug Support Day, um, which is coming up really, really soon. Um, It's a day of advocacy for families who were impacted by their loved ones' alcohol and other drug use. 
So FDS Day is really a time where families are able to tell their stories in events all around Australia and internationally to raise awareness around the untold challenges and burdens that they face in terms of supporting their loved one. So often the sorts of things that we hear about on the phone at FDS, and I've been volunteering for them for about three years now, is that often families are the first port of call for their loved ones in a time of crisis. They're often the first responders to critical incidents, and this includes things like overdose, violence, and mental health-related issues. So before I kind of get into the nitty-gritty, though, I'm just going to announce and tell you a little bit about the, the Victorian event. So it will be coming up on the 25th of February. That's a Monday. It'll be at Hawthorne Arts Centre on Burwood Road. Um, please come along. We love your support. Uh, you can register your attendance at internationalfdsday.fds.org.au. I'm sure we can put it up on social so you guys can have a little look um, and check it out for yourself. So on FDS Day, we're going to have a few different speakers. There's going to be Sam Biondo from VADA. We're going to have Stefan Gruenet from uh, Odyssey House. And, of course, the main point of, of the whole campaign is for family members to get up and tell their stories about what's happening for them. So I'll also be talking a bit about the impact of families and as a representative of, of family drug support. So what I kind of want to do today is just share with you a little bit about what I want to say in my speech and kind of get some feedback because I think it's a really cool thing and I'm just really interested to kind of like see what you guys think too. So basically, I'm going to steal this concept right. I've got to find where I am here. Okay. <clears throat> so... Let's just talk about for two seconds emotional labour and think about this in terms of the war on drugs, okay? So I'm going to compare gender inequity and problematic drug use in Australia just to try and understand exactly what families go through. So bear with me just for a quick sec, okay, because we're going to delve into a bit of politics. So in 2018, we've got Daniel Andrews who commissioned some research and found that women contribute to the value of approximately $205 billion in unpaid work, um, being mothers, carers, and all these sorts of things in Victoria, which equates to about 50% of our gross state product in Victoria. And that's between 2017 and 2018, 50% of our gross state product, okay? So much to the work of an organisation called Destroy the Joint, which is a women's advocacy group, we know that roughly two women a week die from domestic violence in Australia on average per week, okay? So if we consider the sort of deaths that we see from domestic violence to be sort of like the pointy end of the issue of, you know, gender inequity, um, you know, we can kind of understand that that's a significant burden on society. We know that, right? So let's just quickly, we're going to put that aside and visit some research from the International Drug Policy Consortium that was also published in 2018. The report's called Taking Stock, a Decade of Drug Policy, and basically shows that the last decade of the UN attempting to eradicate drug use from the globe has been a colossal failure and, yeah, just really emphasises the need 
that we need to get get a different policy rep- response. So just in this report, right, let's quickly visit. I just really want to quote Helen Clark here, who's the former Prime Minister of um, New, New Zealand as well as a member of IDPC. And this is what she's got to say in the report, okay? So what we learn from the Shadow Report is compelling Since government started collecting data on drugs in the 1990s, the cultivation, the consumption and the illegal trafficking of drugs has reached record levels. Moreover, current drug policies are a serious obstacle to other social and economic objectives and the war on drugs has resulted in millions of people murdered, disappeared and internally displaced. So the report also it gets pretty juicy here. So it reports on some of the findings that we see in Australia around this as well. Um, And as a strong kind of like, you know, I love to see change for gender inequity. I'm completely all about that, but get a massive shock when I visit these statistics. The report also found that approximately over 2,000 people die from drug-related deaths in Australia every 12 months. If we divide that by 52, that's 58.4 deaths in relation to drugs in Australia per week. How can we compare? Like it's it's just insurmountable. Two two women die per week in Australia compared to 38.4 because of drug-related deaths. Okay, so if we just want to zoom right back out again for two seconds and think about that figure, that two, what was it, 200 and, $205 billion in Victoria in relation to the emotional cost of women's unpaid work, what would be the cost of the unpaid work that we see through our families, through our communities because of, you know, 38.4 numbers of people dying from, like it is just the most insane amount of money. And because I'm a massive geek, basically decided to do the maths and figured out that there are roughly 19.2 times more drug-related deaths in Australia per week than domestic violence fatalities. And if we times that by two $205 billion, we're looking at $3,936 billion a year of unpaid labour due to supporting people who are struggling with their alcohol and other drug use. That's a lot of money. I think I'm just going to leave it there for now. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Ash? Um, oh, no, go on. Yeah. <laughs> so- no, 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 it's just that that is some... Um, really interesting like it's a really interesting juxtaposition um but i suppose in the end all of these things are intertwined aren't they like it's it's quite probable that people and and intertwined with other issues quite probable that people who are um perhaps haven't had a good education have been working jobs that are now under threat um and they get into this situation they might not have had a very good upbringing uh, maybe their parents weren't very good and that just continues the cycle and it's that yeah it's the it's never one thing and we can't we can't scapegoat these things so it could be that people that have serious substance use issues are also i don't know is there a crossover with that you know yeah. and just yeah i just like talking about the economics of it you know because mm. then all of a sudden if we're going to talk about the value and like the huge cost that it actually has on our system like if it gets to the point where we're talking about trillions and billions of dollars like that is literally an insane figure yeah, and I think the uh, economics does um, bring it down to a level that everybody can kind of understand. It is our values, essentially, in the, in the money, but, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to put it that crudely, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, it you know, it, it does have the impact. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, there's... Um some of the stuff that you hear through the forums through FDS is really, really shocking. 
it's constantly around things like having to respond to people's, you know, violence in the home, lots of drug dealing happening under people's noses, fights on the lawn, all of these sorts of things. And families just, they're not trained for these sorts of things. They really are being forced in the same way that you see people in the community in North Richmond to kind of, you know, be first responders and play the role of paramedics. And I'm not sure if people realise that that's what we're asking of our families in continuing to keep drugs like, you know, underground and criminalised. Chloe, thank you. (laughs) 3CR, it's in psychedelia. That's what happens when I can't find the audio file I'm looking for. Stoner sloth. No, I think we're going to play a song first, actually. That's that's what I'm really going for. This is uh, 8... Eight, is that right, Chloe? K- Kate, sorry, Kate, I've got, I missed the K, obviously. OG Love, Kush Part 2. With something that a spotty kiss, I'm more than just that. I rock more than one hat. Berets, bedoras, snapbacks, and top hats. Uh, OG Love Kush Part 2 and she's right here from Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. indeed. Melbourne local. It's one of um, um these are these are Chloe's music choices today, I should say as well. I've yeah. just been back announcing them. I'm not doing anything today. I probably <laughs> listen too much to Triple J, which I'm not meant to say on this radio station, right? <laughs> no, you can just poke fun at Triple J. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that was Kate. Kate's pretty cool. She's from Melbourne. Um, she's also um, 20 years old and supported by uh, uh, Diafrix. Momo is right behind her, cool. backing her 100%. So some nice local music for you. From where are we? Melbourne? That's it. <laughs> uh, that is that is meant to be Triple J's job in the end to connect with the youth. Because I realise now the thing that's happening where all my friends, like a lot of friends who even used to like like that radio station, uh, hating on it now. And I'm like, you realise their demographic is 18 to 25 and you now sit outside of that. <laughs> They're not targeting you anymore. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, anyway, uh, let's um, move on. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about FebFast. Um, but just, but I just wanted to share a quick anecdote, um, of, um, I don't know, I did it and it was, um, it was okay. So these are good little ways. It's kind of a weird little thing to do, but it's, it's, it's good that you can raise some money around it, but I don't know, is it, it probably makes you feel healthier for a month, but yeah, I don't know. You guys talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) Oh, so for Go those for who don't, don't, who don't, I'm Tara Schultz, by the way, and for those who don't know what FebFast is, it's one of the only campaigns whose end goal is to raise money for disadvantaged youth. Um, essentially, the idea is to hit pause on something, so sugar, alcohol, inactive, you can hit pause on whatever you want, really. So I've chose alcohol and sugar, which hasn't been too bad. Sugar withdrawal, though, it's... I've had worse drug withdrawals, like, from other things. Like, sugar withdrawal is really tough on the body. Um, but, yeah, I'm getting healthier. 
And so, yeah, I'm raising money, and it's primarily for disadvantaged youth, and it's spearheaded by WISA, so that's Youth Support and Advocacy Services. Um, And the reason why I'm doing it is because I was a disadvantaged youth, and I used a lot of WISA's services myself. Um, To put it in perspective, $36 gets you one hour with a youth support worker, outreach worker, and in my opinion, the state government or the federal government, the state, I think it's the state, doesn't give nearly enough money to youth services. Um, This year, the Andrews government did contribute more money for drug and alcohol, generally speaking, uh, for more beds, but not youth-specific. And it's kind of like youth services are really like your preventative health, like the frontline services. And they kind of... There's a lot of um, harping on about tough on crime and young people in the streets and young people getting up to all sorts of stuff, ICE and all the rest of it. And I think they, yeah, they, was it a new ICE task force that they released? I'm not sure. I don't know. There's another, there's another we're getting one. some nods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there, there was one about a year ago. Yeah, so, there's yeah. A, more law and order stuff. Yeah. Um, when really it should be in youth services like it's your front it's your frontline services it makes sense like that's where you're going to make the most change in a young person's life so that's why FebFast is important you need we need money like give us money please (laughs) Um, (laughs) you can't do much without money so uh me myself like myself they started supporting me when I was about 16 years old and I was essentially homeless or living in and out of domestic violence situation um, constant steady supply of problematic drug use, so speed, ice, um, that kind of stuff. And without youth services, I don't, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I went on to um, complete my year 12 and uh, a diploma in liberal arts, and then I went on to university. So $53, for example, can help a young person um, access education. And $287 provides a young person accommodation for a night. So I used accommodation fairly regularly, like I was in and out of detox, which is like a respite service as well. So it's not just for young people to take a break from drugs. It's also for young people to just take a break from the situation that they're in. You know, a lot of young people are in really volatile family situations or they're homeless or they're living with, you know, really kind of shitty houses and so just having a break and having that perspective is really important so without that money they've got nowhere to go um so yeah i think it's i think it's really important to um contribute we as a community have to kind of pick up the slack where the government isn't you know for whatever reason so uh it's febfast.org.au if you just go you can go donate to anyone but donate to me we so. we have just <laughs> we have just shared your specialist one on oh, great. the facebook yeah, group yeah, so yeah donate, yeah uh, you me. can donate directly to tara <laughs> yeah that'd be great go to the insacadelia facebook yeah yeah and the fact that it's youth-led as well, though, I mean, as a member of SSDP, what we're about to hear from from Sophia as well, like, it's basically, you know, we're looking at basically telling people what we want as young people. And, you know, if it's through a Feb Fast campaign, if it's through all of these different initiatives, the fact is the more the merrier. You know what I mean? We need people to stand up and tell their stories. We need people to kind of get up and have a voice in relation to all of this stuff because otherwise... Who's going to yeah. do it? No it's one. Not, yeah, there won't be any food. changes. Yeah. And you, know? you can also uh, you can also do Feb Fast. So think about that next year. It's easy to do. Just 
no alcohol, no sugar, and you can start raising money yourself. So I've raised, where are we? I've raised $362 on my $1,000 goal. So if anyone can yeah, push yeah. me push me over 400 that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a target? Yeah, so my, I just, I don't know what my target was. I just put $1,000. I'm not sure, like as much money as possible, really. Seems yeah. a reasonable target. Yeah, yeah, so that's my goal for the month. Um, yeah, it has like, I think the alcohol has been easy, but the sugar has been sugar's been really hard it's like yeah. crack like it's <laughs> so hard to give up sugar um one can of coke's 50 grams of sugar dang yeah, yeah well i've been trying to drink less i'm obviously not doing feb fast but um i've been buying cans of coke by the slab now because i end up just buying them out there and i'm like this is more economical but man i'm drinking a lot of sugary drinks coke no sugar like a, no sugar you can, i mean really? i don't know don't, about the sweeteners they, but yeah don't they put some like the, weird science stuff yeah, in there yeah well the sweeteners can cause cancer or something but i'm pretty, yeah i so figure the smoking's like gonna that. get me first anyway That's, so yeah. <laughs> like, always look on the bright side yeah. right <laughs> so tara do you know much about um like previous years with FebFast, how much money they've raised and how that's impacted like funding for services like YSAS? I'm not entirely sure to be honest. I just came on board this year. I know they've been running for 12 years and it does make like a massive difference to their funding because funding's always up and down with the state government. Like the public doesn't seem to recognise that it's the youth services that are the front line for drug and alcohol, for crime, for homelessness. They don't really seem like there's a lot of focus more on, yeah, your crime and punishment, your Centrelink eligibility for young people. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so they're really dependent on these kind of campaigns. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not entirely sure like what previously, I know it's going up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, And so with like, I'm just trying to think about like how to paint this picture of how important the early intervention is when um, like because a lot of the time we catch these things down the track, right? Like if we miss people when they're young, then it's when they're 20, 30, they've entered the criminal justice system yeah. multiple times. Yeah, and they're more likely. So young people that don't receive intervention are m- more than likely to end up with problematic opioid or methamphetamine use. So they graduate to... I won't say graduate, but you know, usually start with your cannabis and your alcohol use. Not that alcohol's alcohol's pretty bad, but um, yeah, your, your substance abuse just spirals. And the adult sector is just, ugh, it's not like it's not like great. Like you want to get them. The youth services usually have a lot more sympathy than the adult sector, and so there's a lot more work that can be done in the youth sector, um, and that makes a massive difference. So I myself, like, I think I was um, homeless and I was living in Canberra, and I was suicidal and I was just using substances problematically because it was either that or, you know, take my own life. And I called Melbourne, I called my youth worker. I had nowhere to go. I was like, eh, I don't know what else to do. And he got me back on a plane. He got me back in Melbourne. He got me back into services. And from there, I was able to link back in with education. Yeah, I've got my bachelor's degree now. I graduated with a distinction. So I don't know where I would be without youth services. Like, I have no comprehension, like, where I would possibly be without that support. Like, mm. no idea. Yeah. Like, mm. who else are you going to rely on? Yeah, well... Yeah good on YSAS and they haven't even been around that long that's mm-hmm. what bugs me yeah like when did they what actually was, become yeah. implemented what like I think pre-YSAS I know <laughs> like, who wants to think about well, that kind of well mm. was that yeah <laughs> so mm. I think it was literally like in the 1990s that YSAS came about yeah well I think Peter Wern was um one of the people 
who originally started setting it up and he just mm. retired and I think he said something like 25 years he's been so it takes back to the mid 90s yeah mid 90s maybe late 80s potentially yeah yeah. Be interested to hear more about that story, and now he's retired. Yes. Uh, and we can expect to hear a lot more of his voice, but yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, and it's Weissass, just by the way, it's Weissass who is the go-to in the criminal, like, uh, drug diversion. So a lot of young men that end up in courts end up in Weissass's care. So it's good for the, the community needs to know that that's where people are being diverted. Yeah. Like, that's where we need the funding. So it's, it's almost like it's a it's a harder sell to people that, not everybody is a criminal in the mo like in this moment, but some yeah. people are heading in a way where dangerous things could happen. Usually, they're also reaching out for help, but in sometimes not very productive ways. But yeah. they're they're reaching, and if 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 people can intervene then or change that situation, then you don't go on to having something much worse. And that's the sort of conversation we're trying to have. But um, often people just look at what's worse and go, oh, well, we need to just punish yeah, it's hard. A and it's like, well, yeah, yeah. it's a reaction. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like, well, you cool, you're going to do that and you're going to make that person worse. Because they don't understand. Like, so preventative health is important. So before Abbott got in, the Rudd government had this whole preventative health plan where they were going to intervene and, like, you know, to put in, inter- like, preventative health solutions to stop things further down the track. Then the Abbott government got in and then used the ICE task force and it's like that crime mm. and punishment reactionary type view that it's been in, you know, for, I don't know, when the Abbott government came in ages ago. Too long, too long. Um, so yeah, I've just seen that from there on in. Yeah. I think, um, when we talk about the kind of adult AOD sector as well and the support that's available, um, and, and the limited support that's available more to the point, I think that's also, you know, where we see a lot of families having to really step in and play a really active role in the lives of their loved ones. So because obviously, you know, lots of detox, lots of rehabilitation that, you know, that we do have that's functional and that's good because, of course, with a lot of rehabs as well, you have like, it's completely unregulated. So we see a lot of kind of people who have got their experience of recovery themselves that are starting these rehabs rehab clinics that all of a sudden it's kind of like well I'm recovered I've been clean for five years clean that's a word we don't use in FDS at all because it obviously implies that there's you know like the opposite of clean is dirty and you know I'll put my hand up and say I I, I use drugs I love using drugs and I'm certainly not dirty so you know basically piss off with that one right mm-hmm. I'm um, dirty though <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah yeah, so uh, it's 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 such a shame because the reasons why we have this limited support system for people who do have problems with their with their drug use in adulthood is basically because we're not able to consider this in a reasonable manner and consider actually addressing drug related issues in terms of regulation. <laughs> If we could, then all of a sudden there wouldn't be all this pressure on kind of like, you know, rehab clinics and tr- and treatment centres and all of the things that currently we focus on in terms of rehabilitation and recovery. And recovery, obviously, is in terms of kind of people reaching abstinence, which as well is com- is a lot of the time for our families, for anyone, for, you know, for people, for myself. It's, it's a concept that means nothing. Um, it takes away people's kind of like um, empowerment, their ability to take control of their own lives and a lot of people find it unuseful so yeah in order to kind of we we really need to look at different aspects different ways of doing this yeah I had to look after my family so once I became 
more stable and recovered from homelessness and drug use. I had to take care of my dad who uh, passed away from cancer and had problematic drug use. And then his widow who uh, had an opioid use issue and the services to regional um, mental health got cut and she all of us she couldn't drive herself anywhere she had no one to visit her she was completely isolated um, and then there's my mother who suffers from schizophrenia and drug and alcohol so yeah. as soon as I was, I was able to get on my feet I was then able to then care for my family because who else is gonna yeah do it you know yeah so there's like there's so many like um follow-ons from all this stuff that's that's the breaking the cycle stuff. Yeah. That's you doing it. You're the person that's that's going to do it and not going to push it forward into the next generation. Yeah, exactly. And everybody that does that should give themselves a pat on the back. Oh, thanks. I'm not yeah. repeating <laughs> the same thing. I understand it and I'm embroiled in it, but it means that those that come after you, it'll only be a memory. Yeah. It, like a memory of a memory. And hopefully, never yeah, support from my And my brother as well who has problematic drug use. So yep. if you can target one young person in a family, it has ripple effects throughout their whole family, like for generations to come as well as the previous generations that followed them. And if you think about the healthcare costs of me supporting my dad with cancer, his widow who had uh, major depressive disorder and prolonged grief, um, opioid uh, dependence, my mother was like the healthcare costs that you're talking about yeah. before. Billion, trillion, yeah. trillion. So the mm-hmm. funding that YSAS gets is just increase. If you if you support if you support me through FedFast, it's increased exponentially. So mm. yeah, yeah. Um, I have oh. a song. Go on then. Would you like Would you like a bit of song? Um, I'm pretty sure that this one was played on stage at Rainbow. I'm not sure if this is the right remix, but I I quite enjoyed it. Um, you you might have heard it before, but just a um, uh, just uh, is it playing? Oh no, I need to turn it on. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it's Yothi Yindi. Um, and it's a remix uh, of Treaty. Um. Just listen to it. It's 3CR. That was a uh, remix of uh, Treaty uh, from Yothi Yindi um, that I'm pretty sure was played on at least one of the Rainbow Serpent Festival stages, which we were at um, just two weeks ago now. Has it been that long now? Um, And we did uh, record a big panel um, that was a a pretty interesting panel that we will have the uh, audio and video for you soon, so keep an eye out uh, for that. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR. Uh, community radio. Now, um, I do have. Uh, so, your next guest, maybe Chloe, you get us started. Sure, sure. So, um, we are about to switch over to Sophia, who is the New South Wales coordinator of SSDP. Um, she's going to give us a quick update of what's going on for her in New South Wales, as well as um, a quick plug of their new pill testing launch campaign event, which is coming up really soon. Now, before we do do that, because Sophia's there waiting on the line, before we do do that, I just wanted to play a small section. Uh, from the speech that uh, Sophia gave at the... Now, what was the the name of the rally I in the end? I think it was just 
Pill testing support pill wives testing. or something. Right? Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that right, Sophia? Just <laughs> Oh, it's, hey guys, it's um, Demand Action Pill Testing Rally, it was cool. Do, that's yeah, right, that's yep. It. And um, we saw some of the footage for it. They got a bit of news attention for it. But I just want to play you this small section of Sophia's speech just to uh, give you an idea of who we're speaking to. The current measures are criminalising and penalising us. They're hurting us and they are killing us. The current measures are based on fear and people cannot look after themselves and each other with fear. Please take a moment to remember the five lives we lost, the 30 plus hospitalizations, and all our friends that have been hurt, and we're not even halfway through the festival season this summer. Not to mention all the countless harms and deaths that have happened in the past. You didn't deserve this. No one who wants to go out and have a beautiful, fun time with their friends deserves this, and I am sorry. All right, so that was from Sophia at the rally that we were talking about before in New South Wales. Sophia, how are you going? Hey, guys, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Thanks for hopping on the phone. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the latest for you in New South Wales in terms of the events that you've got coming up as well as any follow-on from the rally that we just heard from? Um... So this has been really, really busy um, in terms of, you know, the movement that's happening over here, which is, you know, massive in New South Wales. I don't think we've ever seen so much enthusiasm or I haven't seen so much enthusiasm um, to get our voices heard uh, for a very, very long time. Yeah. So really with SSDP, what I'm doing at the moment, I'm mainly putting all my heart and energy into the campaign. Um, and it, it takes a lot of um, energy to, to move um, people and to be able to motivate people in order to um, get everything going and, and solidify everything, uh, yeah. which is great. Obviously, mm. it's a lot of work, but it's, it's, it's wonderful and it's what I feel like I... The hard work of an activist. Yeah. In solidarity. <laughs> We're in solidarity with you, Sophia. 100%. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I know. I definitely feel the support... Um, so the Sydney team is growing, which is absolutely um, beautiful. And, uh, yeah, we've got about less than two weeks to go until the 19th of February where we'll be having the New South Wales uh, pill testing launch for Be Heard, Not Harmed. Yeah. Um, so we've got Wodak, Dr Alex Wodak speaking. He'll be coming more from an angle of... Uh, you know, he was around a time in the 80s where he was a, a big part of what I would consider a very progressive and positive act of civil disobedience, which is setting up the needle and syringe programs. Um, and now we have needle and syringe programs here in, uh, you know, we've had it since the 80s. Um, and we all know how monumental that has been in not only reducing stigma, but also increasing the health and well-being of people who do use drugs. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously we've seen a decrease in HIV rates in Australia. We, we actually have one of the lowest in Australia and that was a direct correlation between the needle and syringe program to that decrease as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that in America, the HIV rate looks at around between 20 to 30%, whereas in Australia, we're looking more like 2 to 3%. So ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous 
yeah, Absolutely. efforts from him. 100%. Sh- shows the power of effective harm reduction implemented despite yeah. all the barriers that prohibition puts up. Yes, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's harm reduction, it's improving health and well-being, it's reducing stigma, um, and it's just, you know, bringing about these issues to the forefront, which should never, shouldn't be taboo in, in, in my eyes. They should be taken um, with evidence, compassion and humanity, as which is what we're trying to do with a pill testing campaign as well. Definitely. So you'll be speaking more on, on, on that um, sort of uh, perspective, I guess? Yeah, and I think... Yeah. It- yeah, I mean, for New Zealand, for New South Wales at the moment, there have been so many festivals that you guys had that have literally yeah. just had so many different incidents and so many different unfortunate kind of like incidents, fatalities and everything like that. I mean, I mean, yeah. these sorts of things, it's been a terrible year um, in terms of these, mm. in terms of particularly overdoses. But at the same time, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, our campaign couldn't have come at a better time because of that too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So... I think one of the biggest things for me that I like to remind people is that these things not only happen within a festival scene, but I think it's very easy to to microscope, microscopically zoom in on the festival scene because it's you know it's it's public and it's large and it's supposed to be this very sort of jolly experience, which it is. Um, but just on on that note, what's happening a lot, in, which you don't hear much about, is that these. Um, Side, this side effects or overdoses or, um, you know, unfortunate events are happening outside the festival scene as well very much. And I think that's a, a direct um, consequence uh, of that lack of harm reduction services in general. So pill testing would be wonderful on site, but I think off site would be um, pertinent as well, along with harm reduction information from a qualified individual. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hey, actually, yeah. Sophia, can I just share with you something uh, that I experienced in an event yesterday in Melbourne? Um, so so one of the one of the big anti-pill testing proponents that's been loud mm. in the media is a guy mm. called Andrew Leiby uh, from Safe mm. Work Laboratories. They're a company that do drug testing for, for workplaces. Uh, okay. And he, he gets quoted in the media a lot um, about... Uh, basically saying that the technology is not good enough and that it's not going to work and blah 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 and this this you, you know this is how and then I um I met him in person and it's always a little bit different yeah. in person uh, I can't quite get a read on him um, but he seems to be genuinely interested in the science, not in whether or not it happens, which I found interesting because he's been framed as yep. as trying to put it that way. But this is the this is the discuss the reality of the discussion is the opposition is coming from ghosts. We don't know who it is because um, yeah, they won't yeah. tell us. Uh, in course. fact, your premier Gladys, um, I believe, Gladys. yeah, she didn't. Uh, you wouldn't name them. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't name these yeah, sources, yeah. and there's all these like just growing and growing. David Caldicott did a uh, one of his um, uh, slideshow shots. Was every reputable organisation that's yeah. signed on, and there's like yeah. a dozen of them, like the you know nurses' oh, yeah. unions and um, yep. uh, yeah, the Australian Medical Association, exactly. the Royal College of GPs. You've got the midwives as well. Um, yeah, I could, I could go, oh, the paramedics as well and emergency uh, doctors. So pretty much um, everyone in the healthcare industry, um, dare I say, um, is for, you know, this, this um, harm reduction initiative. 
So, I mean, look, I'm, I'm from a health science background and I totally understand the need for there, for there to be the evidence before you implement uh, something like this. However, the evidence is already um, enough and we all know that now. Um, with his concerns in terms of not being accurate enough, like he's not 100% wrong and I think that's something we have to be prepared to talk about when we speak to people from Absolutely. our scientific um, background. Just being honest. Just being honest. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the evidence, we've got 30-plus countries around the world implementing safety, drug safety checking and pill testing services at festivals and off-site as well. Um, and what you've seen there is a significant reduction in hospitalizations from big events like this. Um, so really couldn't be much clearer in terms of an observational study. But now if you're talking about the actual technology that you're using, um, like spectrometry, et cetera, it doesn't have to particularly uh, identify the actual toxin themselves, even though you've got a database of 30-plus um, substances already from a network around the world that keep adding to the database. But you've also got um, unknown... Sorry. Some um, Yeah, so I had someone try and um, tell me something for some reason. Sorry. Um, You're yeah, on the phone. You... Oh, people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but those substances that are not picked up uh, are labelled as unknown and that directly red flags the, the, the pill itself. So if a pill is red flagged, then that uh, medical professional or whoever you're speaking to, that chemist, is going to tell that person it's very likely um, that it's not safe because it's red flagged and it's unknown substance in there. Um, yeah, so... Sophia, it's Ash here. Um, I have a question. Um, <clears throat> you've been doing a bit of media there in New South Wales and kind of some of the more mainstream media like Sunrise and places like that. It's always like a little bit weird for particularly me and Nick. We focus on these issues all the time. So we look at them through a particular lens. How much do you think you're bringing the mainstream along with you with those kind of um, appearances in New South Wales? Are, are people coming on board? like the mainstream people, that this isn't their issue, they might not know much about it, but do you think we're winning them over? You think in terms of um, the people, the media that I've spoken to and have shown interest? Yeah, and the response to that from just people, normal people in New South Wales, are we bringing them along, you know, with the issue? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a very youth-centred um, campaign with Be Heard Not Harmed. Um, so I think we, uh, we're definitely trying to appeal um, to the people that it matters the most to. So I think it's been mainly um, an, a, a debate between the authorities and politicians before who don't have a direct uh, connect with um, the youth and with people who do go to festivals and people who do use drugs. So yeah. they really like that um, psychosocial slash emotional slash communal aspect of what it means to people to use uh, certain drugs and what it means to people to go to these events. Um, so I think we're definitely trying to lift up the youth voice um, and tell them you've actually got the power on this one. You've so, Sophia, we're just going to have one. to wrap it up now, but if you just want to let us a little bit know about the event that's coming up in New South Wales, just give it another yep. plug and then we'll have to yep. move on to the next program. Thank you so much for coming on board. That's all right. Yeah, so the... Uh, Pill testing launch will be uh, on the 19th of February, so it's a Tuesday at 5 o'clock, and you'll hear 
Dr. Alex Wodak, um, a couple of politicians as well, Mary from Newer, um, at 5pm. So hopefully you guys can come along. Yep, we will make sure to get this podcast out so our Sydney listeners or anybody that's online listening around Sydney or has friends or colleagues in Sydney that might be interested gets their hands on this, their eyes on this, their ears on this. Sophia, thank you very much for being on the program. No worries. Thank you, guys. Uh, look forward thank to you speaking so you, uh, to you in the future. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. And um, that's just about it from us. Are there any final comments that you want to make in 20 seconds? It's um, becoming 15 seconds pretty quick. Not uh, for me. Just no. New South Wales and the war on festivals is something that you may have seen this week. We will definitely be focusing on that more. Um, it's por- part of the broader culture war that's happening in the festival scene. And thank you to Chloe for co-producing today's show. Um, Chloe will be doing this regularly. We're looking at about once a month. Um, so Keep thanks, Chloe. Out. Yeah. Boom. This See ya. This is Psychedelia. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear in Psychedelia Live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.